first thing in the morning. It's first thing on WJR. Here's Mike Parsons and Renee Vitale. All right, and let's enjoy this while it lasts. Second day of 60s, probably, Renee. It's going to be a, a new record. We're not even going to think about how uh, the second half of this month, winter's going to return. We're just going to close our eyes and pretend, pretend it's May. Let us live in the moment. Let us live in the moment. And uh, actually, it turns out that last January was the warmest January on record since they've started keeping records. And um, it, that's like the eighth straight warmest insert month of all time. And I think we're just going to continue to see that trend grow and grow. Thank you, El Nino. I'll buy you a shot of tequila. <laughs> El Nino, uh, climate change, the whole ozone layer. Yeah. I, it's all. not good. It's not for good reasons. <laughs> right. But, you know, right. I'm trying to find silver linings and be optimistic here. The long-term ramifications could be devastating. But <laughs> right. dang it, I'm going to enjoy it this weekend. Right. It felt good, darn it. It felt good until it wasn't. <laughs> right. All, right. All right. So uh, we got a lot of uh, news yesterday pertaining to both of our presumed presidential candidates, starting with President Joe Biden. Yeah, in a letter to congressional leaders, Attorney General Merrick Garland said special counsel Robert Hur has submitted his final report involving Joe Biden's handling of classified documents after he left the Obama administration as vice president. The letter didn't give any indication on whether it found any wrongdoing by Biden, nor did it provide any insight on whether any criminal charges will arise from the case. That's going to be up to the Department of Justice whether to seek charges from a grand jury. Garland said that the White House's counsel office and President Biden's personal counsel have been allowed to comment on the report. The White House counsel office is also reviewing the report for executive privilege. Garland said that the White House's privilege review has not wrapped up, and once it has, he plans to make the report available to Congress and members of the public. The nearly 13-month-long review by her came after President Biden reported in January that classified documents were found at his former offices at the Penn Biden Center. President Biden then asked the FBI to review documents at his home, which turned up more classified documents that were improperly stored. And for what it's worth, former Vice President Mike Pence also revealed that he found that he was in possession of classified documents after leaving office. Yeah, and, and chances are there's going to be no criminal charges against President Biden. I, I could see Congress, especially if uh, Republicans uh, in the House want to try to hold an impeachment trial or something because they love uh, it, it, that kind of seems to be the trend in Congress. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I, the report, the report says they let Biden off the hook here because he's a well-meaning elderly man with a bad memory. He's just a sweet old grandpa. Is that what they're saying? He's a tottering adult, I guess. Jeez, oh, it, right. Which I, I guess is good if you're, you're trying to, uh, skirt responsibility. However, I, I hear the Biden uh, administration not too happy about that. I'm almost 44. When can I start doing that for my mishaps? <laughs> you know, I've been trying. I've been trying to do this all my life. It hasn't worked. <laughs> not so much. I gotta work. I gotta work harder. Uh, to me. You know, they also said he didn't have bad intent. To me, it doesn't matter what the intent is. It, it matters what's inside the documents. You should have to check them in and check them out like a library book. Right. right. Yeah, that's a good idea. And, you know, it'd be, you remember when you were a kid and you saw the light, you, you had those little library cards you had to sign. Yeah. And then you'd see, like, your friend's name from, like, a year ago. You get really <laughs> yeah. excited. Hey, man, Barack, check this document out back in 20, <laughs> 20, 2021. 
Well, I got 2009. He wasn't in office. But, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I, I don't care what your intent is. You know, are there nuclear secrets in there, like uh, like at Mar-a-Lago? Uh, are, are there Iran attack plans, right. like at Mar-a-Lago? Uh, you know, I, I don't care what your intentions are. If you're leaking dangerous national security information, right? Uh, that 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 should determine what your penalty is, like, not what you plan to do. What with did it. you get mixed up in the shuffle of junk mail on the counter? I mean, how does that happen? I was clipping coupons on my last day. Right. I don't know why my Joe Biden sounds like George W. Bush. It does a little. Let's move on. All right. Uh, Well, it didn't seem to go too well for the Colorado Supreme Court at the U.S. Supreme Court yesterday as the U.S. Supreme Court heard oral arguments regarding the Colorado Supreme Court kicking former President Donald Trump off their ballot due to his alleged role in the January 6th attack. Uh, citing the insurrection clause in the 14th Amendment. Arguments lasted about two hours, and eight of the nine justices seemed to side with Trump's legal team, Justice Elena Kagan, who is an Obama appointee. She asked why a single state should decide who gets to be president of the United States. Sonia Sotomayor, um, looking like she may be the only justice who may possibly vote to uphold Colorado's decision. I'm saying may possibly. And and this is kind of what I figured would happen. I mean, it looks like Trump being on the ballot, it'll be upheld 8 to 1, if not 9 to 0. And I, I, I don't really think you can kick him off until he's actually convicted of something. In the federal case uh, about January 6th, and that's been postponed from its original date, and that might not even happen until after the election. So all of this is for nothing if you're trying to achieve keeping them off the ballot? Yeah, and yeah, and I and I'm I I mean the Colorado Supreme Court, they're all seasoned judges. I mean, they had to have seen this outcome coming. Right. So I don't think anybody's incredibly shocked by any of this. No, not at all. Um all right, we got some sad news about those five missing Marines. Yeah, they uh were pronounced dead early Thursday. The third Marine aircraft wing said on X that civil authorities located the aircraft uh, aircraft Wednesday morning about 8 hours after it went missing. The San Diego County Sheriff's Department received a call from the Marine Corps asking for their assistance. The Marines said that the identities of deceased service members are not released until 24 hours after all next of kin notifications have been completed. The Marine Corps has not said what caused the CH-53E Super Stallion's mishap. Conditions were considered snowy at the time of the crash. President Biden issued a statement following the Marines' announcement that reads in part, Jill and I are heartbroken at the loss of five U.S. Marines. As the Department of Defense continues to assess what occurred, we extend our deepest condolences to their families, their squadron, and the U.S. Marine Corps as we grieve the loss of five of our nation's finest warriors. Yeah, and I think when we heard what happened this was the outcome we we feared would happen even though we were hoping for the best Um, a delegation of high-ranking officials from the white house met with leaders from the local muslim and arab community yesterday after a meeting between the two parties was canceled a few weeks ago because the muslim and arab leaders refused to meet with the white house officials Uh, this meeting took place at the henry hotel outside uh, there were about 50 protesters from the abandoned biden movement demonstrating including a number of leaders who declined their invitation, as well as Dearborn Heights Mayor Bill Bozzi. And uh, an unidentified substance leaking into Bear Creek near 12 Mile in Macomb County. It's being investigated. The source of the leak has been traced back to a closed business on Mound near 10 Mile. Officials, they're still investigating what the substance is, but they say the drinking water is safe. So that's your side of town, Renee. So yeah. drink, drink up. Drink beer.
Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Until <laughs> until then. Um, so uh, the FCC made a big ruling yesterday regarding robocalls. Yeah, they outlawed robocalls that contain voices generated by AI. It's a decision that sends a clear message that exploiting the technology to scam people and mislead voters won't be tolerated. The unanimous ruling targets robocalls made with AI voice cloning tools under the Telephone Consumer Protection Act. So effective immediately, the regulation empowers the FCC to find companies that use those AI voices in their calls or block the service providers that carry them and it also opens the door for call recipients to file lawsuits and give state attorneys general a new mechanism to crack down on violators those who break the law can face steep fines a maximum of more than twenty three thousand dollars per call and that's great that's great news um we've been saying ai's really been in the news the last couple of weeks um and, and we've been saying that laws need to be passed regarding um spoofing somebody's likeness via ai i know that uh, meta is is trying to put safeguards in place youtube is trying to put safeguards in place against ai generated images and videos and yeah. i think the fcc this fcc ruling is going to go a long way at least with the robocalls there needs to be like a, a an, an overarching effort to make sure people can't be spoofed audio wise because sure. that may actually be the easiest way to spoof somebody Oh, yeah. You recognize the voice? Why wouldn't it be them? Especially because uh, everyone has a podcast now. Uh-huh. So everybody's voice is recorded yeah. on the Internet. So easy. You leave a voicemail. Right. That might be enough. I mean, some of these scammers, they literally call you up, try to get you to say one or two words. With that one or two words, they can uh, spoof your voice. And at this point, it still sounds robotic. But like we've said over and over. It's getting better. And and it's only going to get better. All right. Got to take a break. First thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. And we're joined by Guy Lloyd and Jamie here heading into JR Morning. And, uh, guys, there's a little football game on Sunday that uh, we, we've taken kind of a break from football at, over oh, the last Our flag wow. football get-together isn't that big a deal. Right? <laughs> <laughs> You're going down this year, Gordon. I'm still getting uh, waiting for revenge from last year. That low hit was just... <laughs> Yeah, my knees are still aching. Yeah, I'm wearing a cup this time, so (laughs) (laughs) don't try to get slick. But yeah, we've taken a little break from football over the last week and a half, kind of licking our wounds. But uh, where is everybody for Sunday's game? You you, you excited to watch it? You're going to watch it begrudgingly? Are you boycotting like some Lions fans? I don't really. I was listening to two older gentlemen yesterday talk about this, and the Uh other one's like, I don't know. I guess I'll watch. And the other one's like, you know, who do you want to win? He's like, who cares? And then the one said, well, for our season, the 49ers beat us, so I I would prefer them to win. Right. Then it shows that they are a good team. Right. And then, yeah. Gail asked me last night, we were sitting there watching a movie, and she said, oh, what do you want to do for Super Bowl? I was like, I don't know. Yeah. if Dan Campbell can watch it, you guys, you can watch it. Right. And he, he wants his guys to watch it for motivation. You right. mean the coach of the year, Dan Campbell? The real coach of the, the year. The real coach of the year. <laughs> yeah, he's not the official coach of the year, but in our hearts, yeah. He is. Well, I mean, he's he, he's won like four coach of the year awards. There's so many coach of the year awards. I, I don't know which one's the real one and which ones are just for, uh, you know, to sell magazines or get clicks. To me, this is the real one because it's NFL honors the mm-hmm. weekend before or a couple of days before the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and Stefanski won it from the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns had a lot. They had the comeback player of the year in Joe Flacco. Right. They had Jim Schwartz, the assistant of the year. 
They had a lot. Oh, and a Miles Garrett, Defensive Player of the Year. All these Cleveland Browns. Right. And, they, and you know what? Hats off to yeah. him. I mean, he took that team from nothing, but not the way Dan Campbell did. Right. Yeah. I mean, we've been nothing for long, long Yeah. <laughs> I, I Longer than run, some right. of us have been on the planet. Yes. <laughs> I, I think Dan Campbell might have been a, a victim of their success last season because they went on such a tear last season that there were already high expectations for this season. And I think that to win coach of the year, there there has to be kind of like a come out of nowhere type. But I think winning the division after three decades of futility is good enough to win. Uh, yeah, I yeah. agree. Me I too. Agree. Uh, so, so I, I mean, I will watch the Super Bowl because it's the Super Bowl and it, it, it's literally the only thing going on. But I, you know, Jamie, I think I saw you on TV say that your interest level is kind of, and that, that's how I feel too. I yeah. mean, I'll watch it and I should be excited for, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey, but I'm just, I'm just not. I'm back to watching it for the commercials and an excuse to overindulge. <laughs> Which then You're begs the, the question. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Bring the guac. Do, if we really aren't that into the game, does that mean that on Monday we can claim to have the Super Bowl flu? No. Or, or do we yeah. forfeit our I excuse? Think, nope. I no. We forfeit that. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah. If the Lions were in it, nobody would have worked oh, at all next week. Are you right. kidding? Yeah. No way. Oh, oh, it would have been a parade every day. The ERs would be full. Urgent care would be swamped. Everybody would Stomachs be. Stomachs would be pumped. Um, yeah. Yes. We would be dragging IV drips up and down the halls of the Fisher Building. For the health of Detroit, maybe it's better we didn't win. Yeah. 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 Maybe give us a little taste this year and then win it all next year. Right. Yeah. Cause, cause Prepare we really, ourselves. Yeah. We really don't have a filter when it comes to stuff like that, <laughs> yeah. do we? No. It's, yeah. No. But, I mean, here's the thing. There, there is a different feeling after the season, right? In, in past seasons when, when the Lions have made the playoffs and got bounced in the in the wild card round, there, it, it, there is almost like we accidentally made it. This this year, it's it's different. It feels like everyone's bought in, not only us here, but, but all over the country. We earned our street cred. Yeah. And, I mean, um, Brad Holmes, his end-of-the-year presser, where he said, guys, this is just the beginning. We're going to get better. Alex Anzalone's piece in the uh, uh, the Players' Tribune, just talking about how they're they're all in on Dan Campbell. I think the fact that you, there's, there's such evidence that everyone on the team has bought into the culture. I think that gives you a lot of hope for the long-term prospects of this, of this team. Yeah, and the rookies, Jameer right. Gibbs, Sam Laporta, you know, these guys had already started to contribute. They're just going to get better. Are you talking about the Brad Holmes news conference in the elevator? Because I thought that was really illuminating. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah I, I do love a, uh, a Brad Holmes uh, elevator screen press conference. He was a little, he was a little more subdued and, and, and a little bit uh, more uh, well-spoken in, in the end-of-the-year press conference. And, and And you know what the thing is? His demeanor, you believed him. And the fact that he has drafted so well since he got here, I think those all those factors really point to us making a, a really nice run in the next few years. And what does it say about this team that, you know, Jamie, you were just mentioning all those rookies. Those are names that we all know. You usually don't know the rookies' names as well as, mm -hmm. as we all do at this point. Mm -hmm. They, like I said, contributed immediately. And yes. Sam Laporta broke all these tight end records for a rookie. I mean, these were good yeah. picks. And to underscore the importance of drafting intelligently, the Pistons unloaded Killian Hayes yesterday, one of their lottery picks, 
And they got nothing, nothing. Zero. for him. Egg. I mean, at least we got something for Darko, right? Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not a lot, but we got something. <laughs> the, the, the magic coughed up a player, right? Yeah, right. Nothing. Yeah. I, it's <laughs> as optimistic as we are at Ford Field. Um, it's, it's, it's as glum and grim over at uh, Little Caesars Arena with the Pistons. So the Pistons mm. are the new Lions, old Lions. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. yeah. SOP? Yes. Yeah. Same old Pistons? Sops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, everyone enjoy the game. It's still the Super Bowl. It's still a lot. Of, and here's the thing. The Super Bowl is not even really about the game, you know, unless your team's in it's it. It's about Usher. It is. It, yes. It, yes. It, I'm it, looking forward to really? Okay. But it's also about getting together with friends. Yeah. Right. I yeah. mean, it is and that's that and that indulging is. yeah mm-hmm. yeah so don't don't deny yourself and just you know be like dan campbell watch it for motivation picture picture that being the detroit lions next year yeah, and just, just how put a big lions helmet on top of your tv <laughs> right <laughs> so, yeah. it's a swell idea <laughs> yeah. let's just fake it <laughs> and just hope just hope the helmets line up perfectly jr morning coming up next A delegation of high-ranking officials from the White House met with leaders from the local Muslim and Arab community yesterday after a meeting between the two parties was canceled a few weeks ago. Outside the Henry Hotel in Dearborn, where the meeting took place, about 50 protesters from the abandoned Biden movement demonstrated outside, including a number of leaders who declined their invitation. Officials are saying the drinking water is safe out in Macomb County as they uh, are investigating an unidentified substance leaking into Bear, Bear Creek near 12 Mile and Mound. Um, the source of the leak has been traced back to a closed business on Mound Road near 10 Mile. And Renee, uh, uh, news in the Joe Biden uh, documents investigation story. Yep. Special counsel Robert Hur has submitted his final report involving President Joe Biden's handling of classified documents after he left the Obama administration as vice president. Hur's investigation uncovered evidence that Biden willfully retained and disclosed classified materials after his vice presidency when he was a private citizen. But there were several defenses that are likely to create reasonable doubt into Biden's guilt. Yesterday, it did not seem to go too well for the Colorado Supreme Court at the United States Supreme Court as the U.S. Supreme Court heard oral arguments regarding the Colorado Supreme Court kicking former President Donald Trump off their ballot, citing the insurrectionist clause in the 14th Amendment due to his alleged role in the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Arguments lasted about two hours with eight of the nine justices seeming to side with Trump's legal team. Uh, Justice Elena Kagan, an an Obama appointee, asked why a single state should decide who gets to be president of the United States. Sonia Sotomayor looks like she may be the only justice who may possibly vote to uphold Colorado's decision. We'll see what happens there. And uh, a new law being bantied about in the state legislature. Yep. Republican state representative Will Brock is introducing a new plan to protect abandoned babies across the state. The bill would allow the installation of baby drop boxes at all fire stations under the state's safe delivery law. The drop boxes would provide parents in need with a safe place to turn over their infant that they cannot care of. Uh, For now, the bill is in committee under review. 
I, I, I think this is an absolutely great law. I, I, I believe that there is something already in place, but this is going to actually expand um, the reach of these baby Yeah, drop there boxes. are a few scattered throughout the state, but this is going to put it at every single fire station. Yeah, and I mean, the name Baby Dropbox is, is, is kind of a ghoulish name, but there, there's really no other um, way to describe it. And I think that um, this is a bill that people who are pro-choice and pro-life can both get behind. Sure. Num- number one, if you're pro-life, it's going to save a lot of babies uh, because, you know, people will see a different option instead of having abortions. They see that they, they can maybe carry the baby to term, and if they can't take care of themselves instead of going through the uh, putting them up for adoption, they can put them in one of these baby drop boxes. And then if you're pro if you're pro-choice... You know, this is another option um, to not to, to to not saddle maybe a a, a young teenage uh, set of parents or someone who might not be ready to take care of a baby. It's just it's it's it, it's another choice that's not forcing motherhood on on parenthood on people who might not be ready for it. It's a win win on both sides of the aisle. Yeah, it absolutely is. And uh, if you've noticed that McDonald's <laughs> seems like it's getting more expensive. Um, they're doing something to address it. McDonald's CEO Chris Kebzinski said in a recent earnings call that he believes customers have grown weary of high prices <laughs> and that eating at home has become more affordable, affordable, noting that customers making $45,000 or less have made up the biggest decrease um, in their profits and customer base in, in most recent quarters. Does that mean the dollar menu's coming back? I hope so. Woo-hoo. Well, and I've been seeing uh, all these viral posts about um, $20 Big Mac meals and quarter pounder meals. I don't know where these people live. It's still like $8 by That's me. It's still crazy for a, a McDonald's burger, though. That's like a bar burger. Well, no, no, no. That That's the combo. The burger itself is like four, which which is pricier than it used to be. But it's it's not, you know, it's not it's not a $10 burger, $20 combos, in, 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 only in certain places. Yeah. I, it, I, I just want the dollar menu back and for the uh, ice cream machine to work on a regular basis. <laughs> just, just consistent. A girl can wish. Yeah. I, I mean, McDonald's, uh, the customer experience has just been a, been a nightmare. I mean, you go through the drive through line, then they make you pull forward to a parking I know. spot. And then 30 minutes have passed. You might as well have just gone to Chili's. Right. Exactly. All right. right, uh, Let's get to our guest now. Every year when the Super Bowl rolls around, you hear talk of all the exotic and novelty props that are outside the normal bets in a football game. So we're talking with insight analyst from BetMGM, John Ewing, about what this year's hottest prop bets will be for the big game. So, John, let me ask you, you how popular is prop betting compared to uh, bets that are made on, like, the actual game? Traditionally, the spread total and money line are the most bet markets in any given game. But for the Super Bowl, prop betting has become more and more popular. Right now, 60% of all bets placed on the Super Bowl are on props. No way. I can see that, though, because it's, it, it, it's I think it's less intimidating for people to, to do kind of these fun prop bets instead of, you know, like like the money line is, uh, and all that stuff. You, 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 it probably feels like you don't need as much expertise. You don't need to know the X's and O's so much. Yeah. It, I think what it does, it also enhances the viewing of any given game. You, uh, if you bet a player to go over their rushing yards, well, every snap maybe they have a chance of adding to their yardage total. Or if you're betting on the coin toss, you, you get action before the game starts or the Gatorade bath. 
you have something to cheer for after the game's over. So let's talk about some of these prop bets. And you mentioned the coin toss. I'm guessing that no bet can be more of a 50-50 than the coin toss, correct? Precisely. Uh, and this uh, it surprises people, but this is uh, one of the 10 most bet markets overall. So spread total money line. And then you start adding in other props, and coin tosses in the top ten. People love betting on this. Like I said, it's uh, before the game even starts, so it gives you a little bit of excitement before kickoff. Now, Gatorade color during the the post game Gatorade bath seems to be uh, one of the the most popular prop bets. Is there any strategy involved in that, or or is it completely random? Uh, there's no strategy that I know of, and but you are right. This is another popular prop bet. Um, again, uh, gives you action and something to look forward to once, even once uh, the confetti has come down. Um, we have seen movement on this prop, uh, believe it or not. Orange has moved from plus 550 to plus 325. That means if you bet $100, you could win $325 Ooh. if orange gets dumped on the winning coach and uh this is the most bet color so uh betters out there maybe it's because the last time uh, i believe it was in the super bowl uh orange got dumped on andy Reid. so maybe betters are assuming it'll be the same color I- i'm not sure what the exact reasoning is but again <laughs> this is a wild. very popular prop bet you know, okay, so obviously we all know that uh, there's a whole new uh, player to the game, if you will, this year with Taylor Swift. Tell us about some of the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey bets that are out there this year. Yeah, uh, it's betters in general and Swifties. Everyone seems to love Travis Kelsey. When you look at his prospects, he's the most bet player to score a touchdown, the most bet player to win Super Bowl MVP. Uh, 99% of bets are on the over for his receiving yards. So Travis, he's had a, a great playoffs. He obviously uh, is very in pop culture right now with dating Taylor Swift. So everyone loves him. Everyone's betting him. And then there are some fun props. Uh, one being, will the MVP mention Taylor Swift? Uh, yes is plus ah. 750. And, uh, Everyone's betting on yes. Again, I, I had mentioned Travis being the most bet player to win MVP. So I guess the thinking goes, if he wins, then he's going to call out uh, his girlfriend there, and maybe you can cash both bets. Right, like if Brock Purdy wins, he's not going to he's not going to mention Taylor Swift. So yeah, this this bet is contingent <laughs> That'd be on awkward. Yeah, <laughs> right. Mister Steal your Mister Relevant steals your girl. So yeah, right. yeah, it seems like this bet is contingent on. Uh, Travis Kelsey winning MVP. Have you seen a, a, a Have you seen any Taylor uh, spike in business or or, or people um, more people betting because of it or, or not really? Our expectations at Bet and Jam are that this is going to be the most bet Super Bowl in our company's history. Uh, with it being in Las Vegas, with us having multiple sports books there, we expect record handle in terms of retail business and then online betting. Uh, continues to grow year over year with the continued expansion of legalized sports betting. So you have, you know, a great matchup between the Chiefs and the 49ers. You have expansion of legalized sports. You have Taylor. You have all these factors. Everything points to a ton of eyeballs on the Super Bowl and a lot of customers, uh, betters, interested in wagering on the game. John Ewing, inside analyst for BetMGM. Thanks for taking some time with us and enjoy the game. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
Governor Whitmer unveiled her $8.7 billion budget yesterday with big money set aside for child care and education. Paul Egan, Detroit Free Press Lansing Bureau Chief, breaks it down with Kevin and Tom on All Talk. Hi, Governor Gretchen Whitmer uh, has a proposal for the state budget. It's $80.7 billion. And really, it aims to, you know, significantly, as you would expect, invest in K-12 through education. Uh, she's been very vocal about making community college and uh, preschool uh, accessible to everyone. She'd like to make it free. And uh, she says alleviate the cost for major living expenses as well. So this is kind of like the early phase of this process. It seems like we just talked about the previous budget a few weeks ago. We're at it again. Yeah, Tom, I don't know if there's a busier reporter in the state than Paul Egan for the Detroit Free Press. He covers all things Lansing. Uh, and so he's some days he's got two, three stories going at the same time. So when I saw a story on the budget, I, I thought maybe Paul made a mistake. I was going to pick up the phone and call him because I, I, I thought it said a significant decrease in funding for the Department of Education. But then as I read read through it, it said they're reallocating resources to the Michigan Department of Lifelong Education, Advancement and Potential. Uh, So maybe a a change Mm -hmm. in philosophy. We know uh, Michigan has struggled uh, with education. Uh, So I'm I'm interested to see uh, what what the plan is with the money that we do have. Joining us now is Paul Egan uh, from the Detroit Free Press. Good morning. How are you, Paul? Good. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning, Tom. Morning. I appreciate you being here. Uh, what what jumps out at you uh, in uh, Governor Whitmer's uh, proposed budget this year? Well, I mean, they've called it a return to normal budget, Kevin, but it really has a lot in it. It's pretty ambitious. Um, just to touch briefly on that that education shift that you mentioned, you know, that was announced a while ago, and it is it's a little controversial where basically the governor has created a new sort of education department and she shifted some functions from the department of education to this new to this new um to this new department and what's what's significant there is you know the 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 state education board which is elected independently they appoint the superintendent of education so she doesn't have direct control over that education department whereas she will over the state agency. So that's a, a little bit of the story behind behind that shift in funding that's going on. Yeah, I, I think that's huge uh, issue, Paul. And, and I'm, I, I think, just generally speaking, I think I support it because we're, we're doing such a terrible job in this state right now educating our kids. Our numbers, when we compare them to other states, is terrible. So if this is, a, if this is something she thinks will, will work and improve the schools, I'm certainly willing to try something or anything, but I'm sure it doesn't make the Department of Education very happy. No, they've they've definitely been been unhappy with that change. So this is you said this would be a, a return to normal as uh, as you put it and as she has put it kind of but well when you look at like pre pandemic budget I think it was like fifty four you know a billion dollars back then as opposed to to this one um, what is what does that mean return to normal is it the reduction in spending somehow and what does that what does that equate to in their mind Yeah so it's a little it's a little smaller than the current year budget, which is around $82 billion. It's, you know, they're, they're, what they've sort of said is that, you know, we don't need to be doing everything that we were doing during the pandemic when people really needed help. And they certainly don't have the federal funds that were available during that time. I mean, 
you know, in the current budget year, they're really spending, you know, billions in surplus dollars that were kind of accumulated during the, during the, the, during the pandemic. So, so yeah, it's still a big budget and, but, but what they're, what they're kind of signaling is, you know, we're, 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 we're trying to get back to normal in terms of programs, but what they are doing, which, you know, which is, you know, possibly surprising to, to some lawmakers is they're, they're continuing a lot of the programs that, that in many cases were started with federal funding and they're, they're finding other ways to try to fund them. For example, you know, they started, you know, free lunches and breakfasts for every public school student. Well, that's, that's expected to continue under this budget. Um, you know, some of the, some of the childcare subsidies uh, continuing and, and, you know, here they've actually expanded the free preschool to, you know, so that all Michigan four-year-olds would be eligible to kind of remove the last uh, income requirements. So, and so that's why I say that even though they call it a, a return to normal budget, I mean, there's still, it's still pretty ambitious in that they're, you know, they're, they're continuing and expanding programs that were started during the pandemic and they're even launching some new ones yeah and there's a lot of new stuff i mean uh, a pretty significant investment in early voting and you know election security those types of things voting rights uh, i think it's like 24 million or something but when you look at that i want to go back to this kind of the shift this uh this controversial 670 million dollar shift from you know teacher health care retirement to these other educational priorities i mean there's, there's a considerable debate over the reallocation of these types of funds from teacher health care in retirement, isn't there? I mean, how does how does the Whitmer administration plan to ensure, you know, the long term financial security of educator benefits, or or what's the concern? Would you think from the teachers uh, regarding that that uh, subject? Yeah, th- this is an interesting one. There's probably going to be a, a real fight over this because, you know, part of what doing what we just talked about, you know, continuing these programs and launching new ones, they they need some some new sources of money, and so they basically said. You know, we can take about um, $670 million that we were paying to shore up the teacher's pension fund and use it in the classroom. Well, you know, there's, a, there's actually a law that says that uh, they have to contribute more than they did the previous year until the whole unfin- unfunded liability is paid off. And what the governor and the budget director are saying here is, well, look, you know, it's in two pieces. We've paid off now all of the unfunded health care, the post-retirement health care. That's actually down to zero now. So, you know, there's just some pension liabilities we still have to pay off. So, you know, let's take the the stuff we were putting into the retirement piece and use it for other things. But, you know, it looks like they're actually going to have to amend state law in order to do that. And I would expect um, there to be quite a fight over this one. Governor Whitmer said she was going to fight like hell for women's rights to have abortion in Michigan. Uh, does the budget reflect uh, that? Is there a lot of money going into reproductive health? Yes, there's more uh, support for uh, for reproductive health in, in a number of areas. Uh, for example, um, the... Um, it would provide about 27 million um, in reproductive and mental health funding for, uh, uh, and including the prevention of unintended pregnancies. Um, so that's um, that's definitely there. Of course, the biggest the biggest um, 
I think initiative in that area has been really changing state law and not so much a funding issue, but, uh, but, um, you know, obviously, um, getting rid of, uh, various restrictions that were on the books that, uh, that restricted, uh, abortion access. And I assume when they say, you know, the prevention of unintended pregnancies, that does that just mean abortion or is it, are there other initiatives to, uh, help teenagers, you know, not go, get into that predicament, or what is, it, or is it just strictly abortion they're talking about? Uh, no, I would think family planning there would include, um, you know, contraception and other ways of avoiding uh, unwanted pregnancies. Okay. What kind of feedback are we getting, or is it too early? Uh, what are politicians saying? Well, re- Republicans are 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 very critical of this budget, and, and they're basically saying, you know. A year ago, we had a $9 billion surplus. If this budget gets implemented, it will leave less than $20 million on the on the state balance sheet. So they're saying, you know, it's a, a reckless spending spree and and uh, and also that, um, you know, that it relies on, you know, what they're describing as a tax increase where, you know, the state income tax rate went down for one year only for 2023. It's it's gone back up in 2024, which is how the governor and the attorney general interprets the law. The Republicans are in court saying that should be a permanent tax increase. You know, if the courts ended up ruling in favor of the Republicans, uh, that would put a, a very significant hole in this budget, probably about $700 million. 